What's up, guys? Welcome to the Subway Station Sports Podcast. Today, we're going to be doing a strictly Major League Baseball episode. We're going to be talking New York Mets. We're going to be talking about their new hires. And I have Matt Halpern with me again today. He's at Halps Matt on social media. You can follow him there. Uh, what's up today? I'm doing great. Very happy about the t- Mets' two new hires. Yep, same. We hired our third base coach and our first base coach. In case you guys all did not know, we're both Mets fans. So it's definitely a positive to see the Mets succeed at hiring the right people. Obviously, um, yesterday we hired Joey Cora as our third base coach. And I love that move because if you know his brother, Alex Cora, you know that that family just knows baseball. What's your thoughts? Um, I think it's a great signing to bring in, especially seeing that, you know, first base coach and third base coach are two very important spots. They're not just waving their arms and telling guys to go places. They're doing a whole lot more than that. So having guys, especially third base coach and first base coming from families and such where they have it's very important for this team I believe with them with the signings we have coming in from the players I think we can do very good this year yeah and you know when you have the guys that you have on this team having someone with baseball knowledge and baseball experience it's certainly very helpful and when you have a guy like Cora obviously we know he has experience uh, in baseball in the past, we know he has experience even to present day. He worked with the Pirates, and you can't really go by the Pirates. I've heard some people say, well, he was with the Pirates, so you know that's not a positive. But there's no way that's true because, you know, think about what the team is. It's the Pittsburgh Pirates. You can't go by what they do because they are a lousy, they're a lousy team, but it says nothing about uh, Cora's knowledge because uh, I'm happy with uh, Cora's knowledge. I think he really knows the game well. He can talk about the game well. He uh, has the player's best interest in mind. And as we talked about the other night, when you have the player's best interest in mind, that's the number one thing because as we talked about players' rights and all that. So having someone who knows how to work with players very well is a very positive thing for the Mets. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I believe that um, when in terms of coaching, you cannot judge anyone who's come from a lousy team like the Pittsburgh Pirates or the Orioles because they weren't given, they, you can't see their full potential. When they're on a horrible team, that's just, they're never good because they're never going to get the players, they're never going to get the leeway to sign who they want, talk to who they want, etc. And thank you for bringing up. Uh, the Baltimore Orioles, because we also hired Wayne Kirby as our first base coach. And uh, he obviously, he did that with Buck Showalter in the Orioles organization from 2011 to 2018. Uh, He was very well respected by Showalter, which makes sense to a lot of the reason why um, he's now part of the New York Mets. And these are all positive things for the Mets because Kirby's another guy a lot of baseball experience. He was a former player for the Mets. Did you know that? Uh, I did not, but now I do. Yeah, I believe he spent one season with the Mets, 
if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so I'll pull up his baseball reference for all you uh, listeners out there. But yeah, he, he played with the Mets. He knows the organization. Obviously, it was under different ownership then. It's not under the um, Wilpons anymore. So he played from 1991 to 1998. Uh, he played with the Mets in 98. Um, you know, he was a bench player in his career, which, you know, the way you play isn't judged on how good of a baseball mind you are because uh, Wayne Kirby, he's one of the best baseball minds that I've seen as far as a first base coach um, making gut decisions, contributing to the game, contributing um to what the manager says, he'll be great uh, with Buck, much as they were in the Baltimore with the Baltimore Orioles. In my opinion, actually, I believe that sometimes having former players, even if they were bench formers, as coaching or on the coaching staff, can be an advantage because they might know they, they might have a lot more instinct in physically in the game than guys who have just been their entire life coaching and. Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, you take this step even further if you think about this. You know, they know all about players' rights. They know all about kind of what the players are supposed to do, how you act, because they've been there, done that situation. And what's even better with Kirby, even though it was just one year, he still knows the New York media and he knows the New York fans. And just having, whether it's a year, whether it's two years, no matter the experience, if you've been in New York, you know how to handle New York. And let's just say you fail in New York. Uh, they let you hear it. So he obviously knows that uh, from firsthand seeing it. Now, 98, that's when Mike Piazza came over and he was booed when he first started. Kirby probably saw that firsthand because it was the same season. Yeah, he probably did. Which could be a good thing seeing that there have been times in the past when Mets have had super squads and they have struggled at times. So it won't be a bad thing knowing that he's used to hearing his New York fans booing very loudly, as we know they can. Uh yeah. Um now I don't know if you followed anything on uh Twitter today, but they were talking about the possibility of okay, well, we got our third base coach. We got our first base coach. Now, who's the bench coach going to be? A lot of people. So there was an article that came out that there was a mystery candidate, someone that they've talked to and they're very fond of. Uh, We don't know who it is. We can only speculate at this point. Uh, Do you kind of have a suggestion, somebody that the Mets should hire or someone you uh, you think they will hire? I don't know. I feel like senior past, it's been mixed. I don't know. I feel like we might see a former player. I don't know who, but I feel like we might see some obscure bench former player who has a really high baseball IQ, but they just never had the talent to make it or make it very far. Or for all I know, we could have some guy who hasn't played baseball since high school. I really don't know. But I'm slowly leaning more towards a former bench former player who has a high IQ in the sport of baseball. You see, you can only uh, speculate, and I agree with you about that, but I also think it is a possibility that it could be a guy like Curtis Granderson, right? Because they talked about him as kind of being an unrealistic uh, manager choice, but 
unrealistic or not, you know, they've still talked to him and they may possibly consider him at a different level in that sense as a bench coach. And he would be great for the players because we all know Curtis. Us Met fans love Curtis. He knows the game. Uh, he knows the fans. He was absolutely loved here in New York City. Yes, yes, he was. I believe he was loved in all the other places he played. I'm pretty sure. I'm not sure. You have to double check. But I'm pretty sure he uh, he made his way around the league with a couple of different teams throughout his time here. And he also played for a pretty solid amount of time. Yeah, he did. Uh, he was very well respected. I have never heard a bad word about Curtis Granderson as a person. Um, he may not have put up all the flashy numbers every single year, but he certainly showed class. Yes, yes, he did. He might have not made many, if any, all-star teams. I'm not 100% sure. But he was definitely a solid rotational player who could get you big hits and score you big runs when you need to. According to baseball reference, he is a three-time all-star. And uh, he played... Uh, as we know, with Detroit, uh, both New York teams, he played in L.A. for a year. I don't know if you remember that. I do not remember that. I do remember. Did he spend some time in Toronto, was it? I'm not sure. Uh, he, did, he did spend a year with Toronto. Uh, he spent also a year with Milwaukee and Miami. Uh, pardon the notification thing on the computer. Uh, we don't mean to uh, steal any copyright with the ringtone. Um, so, as you were saying, what would you think on uh, who else would you, who else former players from not only the Mets but other guys around the league? Who could you think can see the Mets possibly bring? Could you see the Mets possibly bringing in as a bench coach? I don't know if they'll do it, but I have a name here: former Met, former Met catcher. Can you guess who it is? Mike Piazza. I'm just going to guess this. He's the biggest out there. Nope. Travis Darno comes to mind as a Met catcher. Nope. Um, oh, I'm blanking on a couple guys. Who, who is it? I'm blanking on a couple guys. Okay, can I give you a hint? Yes, you can. He played with the Mets from 2006 to 2007. Um, he was known for a facial expression that he made with his eyes when arguing with an umpire. I know who you're talking about, but I'm blanking right now because I was born in 2006, so I have a rough patch from some of those mid-2000s when I was very young. That person that I'm talking about is Paul LaDuca. Oh my god, that, that's hurting me mentally that I forgot about him. Yeah, I, I, say the name. I think he is a smart baseball guy. I've heard his comments about the Mets. I've heard his comments about baseball. I would love if he came to the Mets organization. And I think he was, um, he was also a very good player, too. Good when he was here as well. Um... Yeah, I could. Anytime you bring a catcher into an organization, it's a good move because the catcher sees it from a whole nother perspective that any other position does not. Yeah, 
I believe catchers are actually one of the top positions you can bring in as a coach once they retire because they run the infield. I mean, they run the infield. They give the guy, guy some of the infield guy signals of where to go, shifts and stuff. So I think that they're actually the best position you can have. I mean, you could argue maybe for pitcher and a couple other guys, but I think catchers are the number one. Yeah, they're definitely uh, up there. And, you know, when you think about catchers, you know, Joe Girardi was a catcher. Where is he now? He was, we all know he was a Yankee manager and he's a Philly manager now. But a lot of catchers make good managers. And by putting someone like LaDuca at bench coach, you can almost mentor him to be a manager one day. Because, because Buck is up there in age and he is only here for three years. Now let's get to the other side of the spectrum. What do you think are some non-player candidates who have just been around the league and are some pretty good minds? Some non-player candidates? You know, non-player candidates. Guys have been bench coaches their entire career. They probably haven't played high, since high school or college. Uh, there's a bunch out there, but none that I really think works or stands out for the Mets at this point because I kind of want like someone on the younger side so that they can take over as manager and learn uh, from Buck Showalter. So you're leaning towards the size of a recently retired player who's still pretty young and who can eventually transition into manager is what I'm hearing. Basically, yeah. And, you know, another guy that comes to mind, uh, two more former players come to mind, uh, Edgardo Alfonso. He was uh, actually most recently a manager of the Brooklyn Cyclones, and uh, they did. Uh, they won it all. They won a championship, and then uh, good old Brody Van Wagen and fired him. So, uh, Brody Van uh, Wagenen was uh, not smart in that sense, and I have a bunch of other names for him. I can't say on air. Yeah, and uh, the other one, now, he, it's been confirmed he's not going to do it. Um, an article confirmed it. A little disappointed about that, but that other guy was Carlos Beltran. Uh, I believe it's unfortunate he never got the shot he did because all those guys, Hinch and Cora, are all back into the league. So I would love to see Beltran get a shot. What are your thoughts on something like that? I think, you know, I mean, it's part of the game, you know. It takes a toll on you, not only physically playing baseball, but mentally, too. Some guys just, they're done, they've made their money, they've put out solid careers, and they just want to get away and chill. You know, being a bench coach isn't easy, as you know, it takes a toll on you mentally. As being a coach of players in any sport, it's not that easy transitioning from player to coach, because a whole different mindset, and it's... It's just a different world. Yeah, and uh, Ron Darling, he says often on the broadcast that after you retire, you go through like, I believe he said like a four-year period when you want nothing to do with the game or you want nothing to do with uh, any jobs in the game. And then eventually you turn on a game once in a while and you get that itch. And that's how he got into broadcasting because he saw – um well, he saw the game on TV again and was like, you know, I really miss this. I love this game. And he kind of said, like, you're mad at the game for those four years because it kind of kicks you out. 
because there's not a lot of times where you see players leaving the game in any game on their own notes. Usually, teams be like, okay, you're too old. Players obviously still think they can go just mentally because they don't want to be down on themselves. But game just kicks you out and says, you're too old. You're regressing. You're not worth it anymore. It's rough. It's very rough. Yeah, and on to other side of things. Uh, I don't know if you heard, but did you hear about uh, Tops being bought by Fanatics? Yes, I did. I heard about that and I also saw it on your social media as well as many other people's social medias. Yes, I did because I am a huge baseball card collector. Very fond of what Tops has done in the past. But in case you all uh, didn't know, I'm also very fond of the brand Fanatics. I buy a lot of stuff from them. Um, I do a lot of business as far as buying their stuff. Uh, I also was on their show a few times, Fanatics Live. I got to ask a question to Pete Alonzo, Johnny Bench, Mike Piazza, Cal Ripken Jr., a bunch of those guys, and it was a lot of fun. They're, they're, they're a class company, and it's great to see them being out there, bringing Tops back, because Tops was kind of going down for a while, and... I watched something in a video the other day, and it said that they made more money from bubble gum than they did from baseball cards. Yeah, when you're at that point, you definitely got to be looking to sell to another company, especially one like Fanatics. Yeah, um, Fanatics, they're, they make great stuff. They sell great stuff. I've bought plenty of jerseys from them in the past. I'm sure you have as well. I definitely brought Oh, I buy hats from them as well. Um, now moving on to other things. So I know I talked to you before the show about, you know, who were some New York athletes that have, New York baseball players that have been snubbed of the National Baseball Hall of Fame? I have a few come to my mind. Who comes to yours? That's rough. I got to go back on guys who aren't in the Hall of Fame that are New York baseball players. Or uh, it could also be people who uh, maybe retired a little bit more recently, but uh, the, it's not their chance yet to be in the Hall of Fame. And just kind of give your take on, okay, well, these are some names. Hopefully, when they do come around, uh, they will get in. Obviously, I said Chuck, I got about Bartolo Colon. I hope he makes it one day because he was a beast. But um, I mean, realistically... It's rough. Because in New York, you see everything. They take it rough on a lot of athletes. Yeah, and I heard uh, you mentioned Bartolo Colon. And I have to say, like, I don't know if you meant it in a joking matter or serious, but I have to say, I agree. He should be in the Hall of Fame because if you look at uh, the only thing that will dock him is the steroids, but if you put people like uh, Barry Bonds and you kind of got to put a guy like Bartolo in eventually because if you think about it how hard is it to play 10 years in the big leagues this dude played this dude played into his mid 40s and pitched a pretty decent level and you know I understand the ERA isn't there I understand the strikeouts aren't totally there but when every fan base has loved you you've played what um well over 20 years played for many different teams 
You know, I think, oh, uh, you got to get your nod eventually. Yeah. I think what's going to hold him back for a long time is those numbers and his personal accolades and statistics. They're not the greatest. But, hey, if you look at for how long he played, if you look at purely from the perspective of the length of tenure in the MLB and how people like you and look at you and how you were as a physical person, I think he can get on on that. Unfortunately, the stats will definitely hold him back for a very long time. So he's actually, you know, his ERA career-wise was 4.12. I don't know if you want to count wins or not because there's a lot of talk nowadays are wins even a um, a respectable stat or not. I don't think it is because you can see guys like Jacob DeGrom, who's one of the best pitchers in baseball, but he can only have three, four wins throughout the entire year because the rest, that, that bullpen of the Mets is not good. So I think you can't really look at wins because bullpens – Apologies, guys. Uh, the phone just fell. Um, so anyway, back to things. Uh, he pitched in 565 games. Uh, he played 21 years in the big leagues. So if you think about that, he played at uh, up until an age when you're not even relevant anymore. So, and he stayed relevant and. When you play that long, it kind of makes your stats worse than they actually would have been. And uh, he had t- over 2,500 strikeouts, which is respectable. Pitched over three, uh, pitched over 3,000 innings. Uh, very respectable. And another guy that comes to mind that I think should be in the Hall of Fame is uh, Roger Maris. He got snubbed this past year, but uh, hey, Baseball Hall of Fame, if you're listening, um, Roger Maris for Hall of Fame. He broke the record that was uh, broken by cheaters. Another name is uh, the greatest lefty closer of all time, John Franco. He had 424 saves and nobody gives him the credit he deserves because he wasn't a strikeout pitcher. Ooh, I I think he was overlooked a lot, actually, because when you think about who else was playing at that time, there were so many people who were absolutely juiced up that are going to get more attention. But uh, let's look. He he hit 270, 412 home runs, 1,159 RBIs. He played 16 years in the big leagues. Um, How many hits? 2,095 hits. I think he's a borderline Hall of Famer. You know, I think... Ask me if you're going to put a guy like um, Sammy Sosa or a guy like Soriano when I'm going to pick Soriano. Yeah, because Sosa, McGuire, and all those guys are juicing hardcore. Like, they're doing steroids for God knows how long. Using it for some great baseball for viewership, but in terms of actual what they did for the game, I feel like they kind of tarnished their names by doing the steroids. Yeah, so I just just looked it up, and it does not say that he was ever li- that Soriano was ever linked to PEDs. Uh, there was one, one um, 
one website that kind of questioned it. But am I really going to believe a website that nobody cares about or even reads? Ken Griffey Jr. Oh, yeah, you're right. And I mean, people have talked about uh, Mike Piazza uh, linked to steroids. You know, obviously, my opinion is uh, innocent until proven guilty. He was never proven guilty, so I will not go and accuse him of that. I actually had this thought the other day. It's so stupid, but um, steroids, are they really assisting you that much? Because, yes, it makes you a lot stronger, but it only increases the distance of your home runs. You need a hell of a swing to even have a shot. And a lot of these guys have had these swings for years. So do steroids really make a difference? Um. So my thought kind of on it is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually – answer my question I'm going to answer your question by asking you a question why do baseball players lift weights to get stronger and why do they get stronger so they can hit farther home runs and uh, and that's kind of where the steroids do kind of uh make an impact on it and you know I do agree with you you still need to know how to hit the ball that is still priority number 1 but at the end of the day, they still used an illegal substance that um, made the game unfair. Everybody wants an even playing field, right? Yeah. I mean, I could definitely name you people, however, out there who would rather pitchers be using illegal substances and batters be using illegal steroids and stuff. Just because they can't. I also feel like it would tank the game if both sides are cheap. Because, like, it's just, it's impossible. Yeah, and then the other uh, side of that is, so I don't know if you read this book, but Bobby Valentine came out with a book called Valentine's Way, and in that book he kind of said like, well, why are baseball players getting penalized for steroids when uh, football players are like 10 times or like two times bigger and are not getting penalized or aren't even being accused? What are your thoughts on that, or do you think that uh, two different sports kind of just don't Kind of just leave it alone. I feel like the NFL is just the NFL. Like, as long as I'm making the money they're making, I don't think anyone really cares. Like, in the NFL, you're making, they just signed a $110 billion TV rights deal. I don't think they care what steroids players are taking, as long as they're making the money. I feel like the NFL is a lot more gravy than the MLB in that term. Yeah. A lot of players, personally, I agree with Bobby Valentine, but. A lot of players, you know, you look at the NFL, a lot of players are built like a truck. Oh, yeah. How else would you explain why some of their hits have been measured harder than car crashes? Like, what's the explanation for that? Scott, steroids, and working out. Yeah. You can do that just purely working out. Right. Um, I agree with you about that. And the other thing, too, is, like, we, we all know it's secretly encouraged by pro wrestling. That is something... We've known for a long time. Yeah, I mean, pro wrestling is just, it's not even a question. You can't even talk about that in this terms. Yeah. Like that whole, the whole thing is the purpose of entertainment. Yeah. Like, there's no real care in how legit it is. Yeah, I mean, 
it, it's exactly what it is. It's entertainment. It's not real. Uh, the other thing too, like as far as steroids go, uh, kind of where I was going with the wrestling comment is look at guys like Bar- uh, Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, and then look at some of those pro wrestlers from back in the day. They look exactly the same, which is kind of a thing that almost turns me off for whether I think that the steroid guys should be in the Hall of Fame because they don't look like baseball players. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, the other thing, too, is playing when players played in the steroid era, you got to give them almost a little bit more credit if they were innocent because if you think about it, if it's not being enforced, it isn't really a rule. So, uh, anyway, I'm getting kind of a notification right now that uh, our time is getting cut short. So please follow both of us on social media. He's Halps Matt. I'm Jay Chernin 41. I'll be talking all kinds of sports over there. So will he. Uh, please leave a voice message if you click the link in my bio. And look forward to talking to you guys. Have a good night.